Good morning, Connection Point Church. Thanks for joining us, and I am excited that we are going to continue our series called Normal Wasn't Working Anyway. And as you can see, I'm going to preach again this week. We've got our live studio congregation here. We've got Beth, Lindsay, Mike, and Teresa this morning. But most importantly, we have you, and so we are going to be uh, asking questions. We're going to be interacting with the text, and so we want to make sure that you are um, interacting with us. Now, starting off today with a new segment, and we've kind of been building to this segment anyway, and we're going to call this segment, Put It in the Chat, okay? So anytime I say put it in the chat, we're going to put a question, and I want you to put it in the chat. And then to y'all, I'm simply going to ask you, and you'll answer the question. But we want to make sure that we are interacting with one another, and so go ahead and answer the question. The first question I want to ask you is this. We're starting this new series called Normal Wasn't Working Anyhow. So what is the number one change that you plan on making when we return to our new normal? Now, we all have an expectation that things will eventually go back somewhat normal, where we have no fear of going outside, we can interact with one another, not have to be six feet away from each other. So if you are going to answer this question, go ahead and put it in the chat, and I want to hear from y'all as well. What is the number one change you plan on making when you return to our new normal? Do y'all have any uh, thoughts on this? Beth, what about you? Keeping your house picked up. I think that's one that we can all aspire to as well. Teresa, do you have one? Um, trying not to be overscheduled and too busy. All right. Going to try to slow down a little bit. We're going to talk about pace today. Wow, it's so timely, Teresa. Again, praise hands for Teresa. She's so timely. All right. How about y'all? Lindsay, how about you? Anything that you're going to do in the new normal? Continue cooking at home. That's very good. Mike, what about you? Back to an old normal, which is more barbecue. More barbecue. Okay. Amen to that. Give Mike some praise hands, too. And a couple of cow legs. There are whatever's on there. Okay. Um, for, you know, for me, though, there's some things on the new normal that as I've gotten new habits and I've been able to kind of evaluate, there's some things. And one of the number one things for me is I've actually deleted social media during the week. And just doing that one thing has brought me so much more joy. I'm actually a little more at peace. And in fact, I'm not ignoring you if you've been trying to get in touch with me. I just haven't been on social media during the week. Now, today, I want to start off with our verse for the series. We have a series verse, and it's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect and so the idea of this verse is that many of us are conformed to this world and we may not even realize it and so the question um, we need to ask ourselves if we look at our lives and we don't feel as if we're really being changed we don't feel a life transformation it could be that we are conformed to this world and so the challenge that we have in this series is we want to live differently. We want to look at what we've considered normal and just ask the question, is that normal for us because we have conformed to the world? Do we look like everyone else? And is there a new way that we could live that would allow us to discern the will of God and to live it out? That's the goal of this series. And today, I want to talk to you about transforming the pace of our lives. And I want to challenge us on the way we think about pace, the pace of our lives. Now, a few weeks ago, I was 
um, before all the quarantine happened, so it was probably a few months ago, if I'm being honest now, uh, a friend of mine who owns a gym started telling me about, I was asking him some questions about how to uh, stay healthy, and he was talking about running. And I said, you know, I hate to run. I just hate to run. How many of y'all hate to run? Okay, yeah. I once made a pledge to myself that I would never, my life goal is to never run a marathon, and I have accomplished that 43 years in a row. And so, uh, y'all pat me on the back for that. But he, was, he gave me some tips, and, and they really helped. In fact, I've ran more probably in the last month than I had run in the last few years. And this is what he said. He said, whenever you're thinking about running, you should, uh, as a novice, if you're somebody who just wants to stay healthy, he says, don't think about your pace. What you need to do is you need to think about the distance you're going to run. Or maybe you're going to think about the time spent running. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to focus on keeping a fast pace. In fact, he even encouraged me. He said, you know what, just go for a run and maybe run a mile. And if you get tired, walk a mile. And he said, and then run another mile or run half a mile and then walk. And don't worry about your pace. And then he made the statement that I really want to focus on today. This is what he said. He says, you control the pace. The pace cannot control you. And so that's one of the big takeaways I want us to kind of think about today when we talk about the pace of our lives and the busyness that some of us were in when we, before all of this happened. You see, you are in control of the pace of, of your life. Now, many of us for years said, you know what, I'm not in control. You know, I'm just, I'm so busy and there's nothing I can do about it. And one thing that God is showing us, I think, is that you are in control of the pace of your life. And the pace of your life should not control you. You know, when we look at the world, we see a lot of people controlled by the pace of their life. And so one of the ways we discern the will of God is we decide, I'm going to take control of the pace of my life. Now, Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this, look carefully now then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So in other words, some of us are walking wisely, some of us are walking unwisely. And Paul says, make the best use of your time because the days are evil. When he says that word, the days, of e uh, the days are evil, what he's saying is basically the days want to take your time away from you. Your schedule wants to overpower you. It wants to make you, you know, not useful. And most of us, when we think about making the best use of our time, we think about, well, I want to be productive. I want to fit more in. I want to do more. But that's not what Paul is talking about. Paul specifically says, and he unlocks it in, this, in the last verse here, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. When we think about using the best part of our time, the best part of our day, it needs to be in alignment with the will of God. It can't simply be foolish, letting our schedule, letting our time overpower us. And so, as we go through today, I really want to give you an easy way for you to understand, for you to measure the way that you use your time, the pace of your life. And here's a, a key that we're going to talk about today. The pace of your life should be measured by the margin in your life. It's an easy way if you want to know, am I doing too much? Is my pace too much? You can measure the, a good pace by measuring the margin in your life because here's the reality. The margin in your life is the ministry in your life. The margin in your life is your ministry. If you have no margin, if you have no space, no time, 
then the ministry, the things that God has given you to do, will not be able to be accomplished. You just simply will push them to the edge. Have you ever tried to read a book with no margin? In fact, I don't even know how I've seen a book with no margin because people know your eyes would just get overwhelmed and say, you know what, I would, I would shut down and couldn't even read that book. Margin is key. And so if you've ever said something like, you know what, I just don't have time to sit down at the dinner table with my family. Something needs to change. You know what, I, I just don't have time to take a day off. Something needs to change. I just don't have time to take a vacation. I don't have time to play with my kids. I don't have time for my friends to, to go out and hang out with friends. I don't have time. If you've ever said anything like that, understand you've also said, I don't have time to invest in them. I don't have time to love them. That's, that's something that should tell you, I don't have margin. Something needs to change. The coronavirus has taught us anything. It's taught us that it's no longer a status symbol to be busy, to be going at a fast pace all the time. That is no longer what's considered cool. In fact, if there's anything God is teaching us, it's that maybe slowing down is a better pace for our life. So I'm going to give us three keys today, three keys, three areas of our life to build margin in the new normal so that you can kind of add these. We want to focus on these three places. Now, the first place is this, intimate time with God. Now, for some of you, this may be obvious, but some of us, if we're really, really honest, we would say, you know what, that's an area of my life that I've struggled with. And by intimate time with God, I primarily mean just reading the Bible, reading the Bible, spending time in prayer. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Before you go and try to fill your life with things you think are going to make you happy, first of all, seek his kingdom. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, in the Old Testament, the psalmist says this in, psalmist, or in Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. All right, so Let's go back to our, our new segment for the year. Put it in the chat. I feel like we need the bells and da da da. Put it in the chat. Maybe we'll add that next, next week or not by the judging on the reaction. All right. So here's what I want to know. Put this in the chat and I want to know from y'all as well. How many times a week do you sit still with God? Do you just sit still maybe with an open Bible and coffee, of course, and just sit there and pray and read your Bible and listen to God. All right, I want to know. Go ahead, put that in the chat. And then to y'all, I'm going to ask y'all. We'll just take a quick poll. Teresa, what would you say? How many, how many times? Okay. Every day at least, Mike. Every day. Look at these super Christian thumbs. <laughs> go ahead. Lindsay. Two or three. And Beth says it, it's... You know, sometimes it's hard, okay? So my next question, if you answered three or below, I want to know what you're telling yourself is the reason you don't spend time with God. Because the truth is, we've, got, we've all got an excuse, or maybe some of us even believe the excuse of this is why I'm not spending time. So Beth, if you were to give uh, your thinking whenever you miss uh, time with the Lord in a day, what would you say? Yeah, it does it out of sight, out of mind. Sometimes we, we forget all about it, and by the time we realize it, the day is over. Lindsay, what about you? Pretty much the same as Beth. 
Right. I think that's a lot of us get caught in that. We put other things first because in our mind, it's not that we don't think it's important. It's that we don't think it's urgent. And so we do sometimes the urgent instead of the important. I think a lot of us fall in that as well. Some of the other I ask around and some of the other things I heard were um, I don't have time. It's boring. Some of us have said it's boring. And I can understand that, you know, a lot of times when we think of just reading through the Bible, you think of getting stuck in the book of Numbers, and it's, that can be a hard idea to say, oh, I'm just looking forward to that. Another one I've heard is, I don't know how. And so these are all things that we tell ourselves that this is why I'm not doing it. So here's one thing that, I, that I've noticed, okay? One thing I've noticed is that for many of us, we like the idea of reading the Bible, more than actually reading the Bible. Have you ever fallen into that trap where you like to tell yourself, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a, I'm a passionate Christ follower, and we like the idea of being viewed as a passionate Christ follower. We like the idea of being viewed as someone who prays, but when it comes to actually reading the Bible or actually doing the thing, sometimes we've talked ourselves out of it, and if we really stop and examine our life, we look and we see, you know what? I have pushed into the, out of the margins, I've pushed out time with God. I've convinced myself that I don't need it. And so I want to give you a little, uh, a, a kind of a silly idea to kind of hopefully encourage you this week to begin taking priority, to, to make it a priority to schedule intimate time with God reading your Bible, okay? Now, imagine that, I'm going to tell you a story about my friend, okay? My friend, has a great wife, okay? And in fact, he was telling me how this quarantine has been great for his marriage. He's learned a lot about his wife. In fact, he, he, she takes care of all of his needs. Whenever he's hungry, she can um, cook food. She's a great cook. Whenever he needs to be encouraged, she encourages him. She is just, I mean, seems to be doing everything right. Just gives him so much excitement. And so I said, oh, wow, that's incredible. They never fight. They never, ever fight. And I said, how is that even possible? And this is what he said. He said, well, you see, once a week, I go have breakfast with my other friend. And this friend, he knows my wife a little bit better than I do. And for an hour every Sunday, he simply tells me about my wife. He tells me how she provides for me. My, this, this guy will tell me how, how great my wife is, how comforting she is. And, and in fact, every time I, I think about how great, I just leave that breakfast with my friend, just hearing, man, my wife really is great. If you heard a story like that, you would say, that's kind of weird. <laughs> that's really, really weird. In fact, it sounds like your friend is more married <laughs> than you are. You're, it's just a weird idea. But yet some of us, when it comes to God and our relationship with God, if I were to ask you, how is your time with God? Or if I were to ask you, how's your relationship with God? You might point to a sermon. You might say, I go to church. But understand, that's not what makes a relationship. It's a ridiculous idea to think hearing somebody, now it might be that the preacher knows a lot about God. He has a great relationship. And some of us live on the relationships of others. Some of us think we have a great relationship with God simply because our parents had a great relationship with God. Maybe you have a, a spouse who is in the word all the time. And so you say, you know what? Our family is close. We have, I have a good relationship with God. But when you really examine your relationship, you begin to say, you know what? I don't actually spend time with God. That should be challenging to us. And so what can we do for our 
new normal. We can decide, I'm going to spend time every day getting to know God, making sure that I'm investing in this relationship. And if you think that it's boring, and it kind of can be, and I, I, we're not quite to number two, I'll get there in just a second. Sometimes it's, it's kind of boring for us to, when we get the idea of, of spending time in the Word. But I want you to think about this. Whenever I'm with my wife and we have a conversation every single day, whenever we have a conversation, this is going to be shocking to y'all. I don't always blow my wife's mind with some new idea. Isn't that crazy? Sometimes we sit down and just talk about the day. And if we just talk about the day and we just walk around and I know a little more about her day. I know how she felt today. But she didn't blow my mind with some new idea. Now, sometimes she does. And it's just it's great when that happens. Sometimes I'm sure I just knock her socks out with uh, with my intellect. I know that it probably happens once in a blue moon. But most of the time, my wife and I just have a conversation. And so we just know each other a little better. And that's what it's like with our daily time with God is we simply spend that time because it allows us to be more comfortable, to allows us to know God is with us. It develops that relationship. All right, let's move on to number two. The second place we need to add, we need to add some margin into our life. And this may be one you've never thought of. But the second place is this, intentional investment in others. So intentional time with God and intentional investment with others. Now, there's a, a couple of, of verses that I thought about when it, when it comes to really where most of us have squeezed out so much margin, we don't even consider this. But you know, when Jesus called his first disciples, you remember when he called Andrew and Peter, what he said? He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, he said, hey, if you follow me, You're not just going to follow me. You're actually going to teach other men to follow me. That's a a pretty powerful idea that that they weren't just being taught to follow. They were being taught to go teach others to follow Jesus. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. In 2 Timothy, he says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, in other words, when you hear from me at church, that's where he's talking about, when you hear hear me at church and trust Um, to faithful men, you've heard me preach the word in church. He says, those men will be able to teach others also. So Paul's saying when you go to church and you hear the gospel or you hear a sermon, that's just not for you. It's also so that you can take that word and give it to someone else. Paul talks about it in the context of of women as well, and I don't want you to get offended, but he says older women, now he's not calling you old. What he's saying is if you are older than anyone, if you're older, there's always going to be somebody younger, but you have a duty. He says older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior. In other words, you're going to model with your lifestyle. You're going to model it. You're not going to be slanderers. You're not going to go around talking negative about people. And you're not going to be slaves to too much wine. And the reason is because you're to teach what is good. In other words, you're being an example, but you're also there to teach. Now, this is an idea I think many of us have lost. And that we are not just to follow Jesus. We're to teach and train people to follow Jesus. All right, so... Let's put it in the chat. Let's talk about it a little bit, okay? Y'all like that? I'm going to get everybody on board with this. If I have to pull y'all all with me, y'all are going to love. When we get the jingle and in the, in the, in the theme song for put it in the chat, y'all are going to love this. It's going to be great. Now, 
Where do you waste the most time? I want you to think about your lives. Where would you say you waste the most time? Now, we all waste time. Where do you think waste the most time? Teresa, how about you? Sleeping. Teresa sleeps. That's where she wastes. Some would say that's not wasting time. Some would say it's time well spent. Mike, what about you? In front of the TV. Very good. Lindsay, what about you? TV, phone. Very good. TV or phone, me, without a doubt, it is the phone, okay? My phone uh, has been such a, a time waster for me. If I see that thing, it's like it's calling to me. It's like, come pick me up, pick me up. I want to waste your time. Now, what's interesting about this, though, is I, I made up a little joke. Y'all like jokes, right? You like my jokes, right? All right, it's kind of a riddle, okay? Why did Jesus spend so much time investing in his disciples, I know, y'all are on the edge of your seat. I didn't say it was a good joke. It's, it's simply the answer would be because he wasn't on his phone. He wasn't somewhere else, okay? I know, it's not, I didn't say it was a good joke, okay? I just said, if you think about it, Jesus was intentional about his time with his disciples. He intentionally made sure he wasn't wasting a lot of time. And if he was wasting time, he was, in the, he was with the people he was investing in. He wasn't alone on his phone saying, hey, Andrew and Peter, hey, I'll tell you all about the kingdom of God as soon as I check Twitter. He wasn't doing that. Instead, he was constantly making intentional time so that he could invest in others. A disciple disciples. A teacher, or you are taught so that you can teach. That's just the reason that we are, that's the reason you're listening to it. It's not just so you can be, uh, you know, filled with the word of God. It's so that you can teach others. You know, another way to think about it is the reason we get filled up is so that we can pour out. That's the reason we need to be in the word. That's the reason we need to, to ourselves be healthy is because we have a responsibility. We are fishers of men and women. We are called to invest. And so some of us would say, I don't know exactly who that would be. Who am I supposed to teach? Well, let me tell you, you've got some people already built in. Um, I, if you are a parent, Think about this. I was, I was kind of lamenting this as I was writing this sermon. You know, some of us as parents have been bemoaning the, the, the teaching, all of the teaching we're having to do right now for school. And we're teaching this curriculum. But we have this opportunity and this responsibility to also teach our children to, to teach them the Bible, God's word, and to love God's word. And yet, we're going to spend three hours teaching our, our kids math which my kids would say they're never going to use ever. And, uh, but yet we have something that is going to be useful every day in God's word. And some of us haven't made the time. And, and I'm guilty of this as well, to be honest with you. Another area is our, our families or our spouses. You know, I think that um, one of the great tragedies, one of the great weaknesses that many men have is that they abdicate their duty to lead their families spiritually. And sometimes we think it's, it's awkward as men. It's going to be awkward to pray with my wife. It'd be awkward to say, let's sit down and read. But I think that it is the duty of you as a, as a man, as a husband, to lead your wife well and to encourage her. You need to be pouring out spiritually, not just emotionally, not just physically, but spiritually leading as well. And wives, the same thing, that it's important for us to, to view our duty. We are supposed to be discipling the ones we love. And if you're single, that's also, you have maybe even a bigger responsibility. You realize the two 
biggest disciple makers in the entire Bible were single. We have Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Their ministries, there was, it was a, a ministry while they were single, and they made more disciples than anyone. We have coworkers, we have friends, we have extended family. There are so many people in your life that you are called to reach, that you are put in their life to reach. And yet, when we don't have the margin, we don't have the ability to invest in them. So what are we going to do? We're going to make sure that we are investing in people around us, that we are making intentional time to invest you know, one of the, the greatest things I think this church does is go to Peru um, every year, except for this year because of this. But one of the things we do as we learn, uh, as we prepare for Peru, is we don't just learn how to share the gospel. In fact, what we say is we are training trainers. The first thing we do whenever we tell somebody about Jesus, we tell them how Jesus has impacted our life, and then we immediately teach them to go tell someone else. And most of the time we meet with them again the next day and they've already told somebody else what we taught them because we know that we aren't just there to teach them to follow us as we follow Christ. We're there to train them to train others so that the movement of God, the kingdom of God can continue forward. So we have got to make intentional time. My question to you is, who are you pouring into? Who are you discipling? The third and final way that we need to make margin, area we need to make margin is, is we need intermittent times of rest. I had to keep with the eyes, so intermittent, that it works, okay? Intermittent times of rest. Now, some of us would call this a Sabbath, okay? But let's go ahead before we get too much into the idea of a Sabbath or a rest, and I just want to put it in the chat. Let's put it in the chat. da 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 no, that's not. I'll have to get it. Okay. All right. When was the last time you connected, you disconnected? Oh, I misspelled it. You, you were um, fully disconnected for a day. When was the last time you were fully disconnected for a day? When was the last time you spent a whole day without your phone, not on social media? You spent a whole day. Teresa, what would you say? Never. Mike? Never. Never. Three years ago for Beth, and she's the winner because I don't think it's been, I think unless my phone was broken, it, it certainly has been. You know, one of the ways, when we think about a Sabbath rest, most of us, we think about a day of not working. But how many of us think about a Sabbath disconnected? Now, one of the things Jesus says uh, when he's teaching about this, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, what's interesting about this is that the Sabbath had become the pattern of the world. It had, if you were a Jewish person at the time of Jesus, when the Sabbath came, then everyone stopped doing everything. And there were rules that you were going to obey. There was a certain amount of steps, and you could not take more than that. In fact, they would even try to finagle and get around the rules of the Sabbath. Do you know that you could only walk about 2,000 steps away, uh, some would say 3,000 steps away from your house? And so what some people would do is some people would wake up on the Sabbath and then say, hey, my home this morning is that tree over there. And what they would do then is they could walk 2,000 or 3,000 steps to the tree, but then they could go beyond the tree the same amount, and it was kind of, they would look for loopholes. And why was that? That's simply because, it kind of seems silly, but what had happened is the Sabbath was so normal, no one thought, why are we doing a Sabbath? 
They just simply accepted this is what we do. We have a lot of rules, and so let's just finagle and figure out how we can live in these rules. They were conformed to the pattern of the world, and one of the things Jesus wanted to show them is you need to renew your mind. You need to think differently about the Sabbath rest. And he says it wasn't made so that you follow rules. It wasn't, you weren't created so that you could follow rules. You were created. It was given to you as a gift so that you can follow God. The Sabbath was created for man. It was given to you rest so that you would not have to live a life simply thinking about the rules. Are you enough? Have you done enough? Are you okay at this moment? Okay, now, when we think about this, uh, um, many of us would say, okay, Joel, that seems a little bit, uh, a little bit extreme to dis." Connect. In fact, what I would challenge you is, I think we need to disconnect from our devices at least once a week. You need to spend a day, and I'm going to take this challenge this week. I'm going to try to go a, uh, at least one day without any social media and without getting on my phone, unless it's your Bible, which is going to be some of our excuses because we're going to try to play the holy card. You can get on for your phone, okay? You can get on your phone for your Bible, but I want to challenge you to disconnect from that device, disconnect from news, disconnect from Twitter, disconnect, and spend a day with the Lord. Now, uh, there's a bonus put it in the chat for us today. Are you all excited? Yeah, I thought you would. Okay. I want you to think about this, about the voices that speak to you, because many of us would say, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm not on social media so that, you know, it's, it's just entertainment. I don't really uh, listen to it. I want you to think about your, your, your least, maybe it's your least favorite song, but I want you to think about a song that gets stuck in your head. A song that when you hear that song, you're like, oh my gosh, that song's going to be with me. Okay. Uh, think about that. Put it in the chat. Go ahead. What is your song? Teresa, what is the song that gets stuck in your head? If you hear Waymaker, okay, which, hey, that's how spiritual she is. It's a, it's, a, it's a Christian song, which that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's, you know, God just encouraging. That can be a good thing. Yeah, Mike? Van Halen running with the devil. Okay, you hear that, and it's, it's going to be with you, huh? Okay, that's good. The Middle, okay. Uh, who sings it? I just know the tune. All right. Who was it? Okay. Um, Beth, what about you? Baby Shark, right? Yeah. I guarantee you right now, all kids, if you're at home, kids, and listening to this, start singing Baby Shark to your parents, okay? Do that all day. Now, for me, by the way, I've got a few of them, but the one that gets me the most, and it, it bugs me so much, is Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. If I hear that song, it is going to be stuck in my head for years, it seems like. I just can't get it out. In fact, right now, I'm tempted to just belt it out, but I'm not going to for you, even though they're, they're asking for it here. Now, here's what I want you to think. You get that song, and it's just speaking to you, and you, and you can't control it, and you might even say it's not that big a deal, but it's still there. It's still there, and that's how social media can be for us. That's how being connected all the time with the world. We can say we're not being affected by the, the patterns of the world. We can say we're not conforming to the patterns of the world, but if it's constantly speaking into you, I promise you it will start to change your life. It will conform you. If you want to, to live a life, go back to, um, pull up Romans 12 too, real quick. I just want to point out on this verse that if we are going to test and live out and discern the will of God, we have to make sure that we are not being conformed to this world. One of the things that the Sabbath, taking a Sabbath, a day of disconnection can do for us is it allows us to sit and consider 
what God has for us? Where are we conformed to the patterns of the world that we may not even realize it? And so what are we going to do this week? We're going to make a commitment that we're not just going to Sabbath from work, which is good. Take a day off from work. But we're also going to Sabbath from our devices. We're going to disconnect and connect with the will of God. Now, before we close, I just want to point out that there is a, a, a key to doing all of this, to adding margin in, to, in your life, to really getting spiritually healthy and, and getting a new normal. And that is simply that the key for all of us is not just to do these things, but it is a relationship with God. Specifically, Jesus tells us in, um, in Matthew uh, 11, uh, 28. I was right, yeah. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. This, by the way, is my favorite um, verse, so that's kind of funny that I would forget it. Now, this verse kind of ties everything up. Jesus says to us, come to me. That is, start, have a relationship with me. Spend intimate time with me. Come to me. He invites us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Maybe your, your, your labor and your heavy laden is your physical work, but maybe it's the emotional toll that this quarantine has taken on us. Maybe it's, it's other things that are going on in your life. And Jesus says, whatever your burden is, Whatever your burdens um, are, he says, I will give you what? Y'all say it with me. Rest. rest. He promised us the Sabbath rest. We can find rest in him. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke for a rabbi was teaching. That's, what that, that's the way they would use it is you would put a yoke on an animal. The rabbis would put a yoke on their followers. That's the teaching they would follow. He says, take my yoke, my teaching upon you and learn from me. Remember, said we were going to be teachers. And Jesus says, listen, if you will follow me and learn from me, he says, that's where you're going to learn to teach others is simply by learning from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find, let's say it again, rest for your souls. For my yoke, my teaching is easy and my burden is light. I tell you, if you're going to to really try to find a new normal this, this year. If you really want to walk out of this uh, quarantine, this time that we're facing, and really find a new pace, the first thing you have to do is put your trust in Jesus. And not just the idea of putting your trust in Jesus. You have to really say, you know what, the best use of my time is to put my time with Jesus. The best thing I can do to make an impactful life even more important than my job is to impact others, is to invest time with others. And the best thing I can do for my own soul is to find rest, not in, in simply stopping what I'm doing, but in putting my rest in Jesus. That is what he promised, he promised to us when we start a relationship with him, when we come to him. And so for many of us watching this, the first thing we need to do and maybe it may, may be the first time you've done this. Maybe uh, you've done this before, but you've kind of conformed to the world. You've kind of strayed a little bit. This week, the first thing you need to do is you need to come to Jesus. You need to trust Jesus every single day. Because one thing we know is that normal wasn't working anyhow. If you are living a busy life, if your pace is going so much that you feel overwhelmed and you have no margin, I promise you this week, that if you'll just add margin for these three areas of your life, you're going to find the peace of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to spend time in your word today seeking you. 
Lord, I thank you for everyone that is watching this that maybe has been busy and busy and busy for the last few years. And this quarantine, this situation we face, although it's extreme, Lord, I pray that we take the lesson of rest, of the Sabbath, of slowing down our pace so that we can begin a new normal, one that isn't conformed to the world, one in which people that, that are normal, people that are, are going to try to return to the way things were, will look at us and say, man, there's something different about them. They're living differently, and they seem to have, have picked up on some, some new, new hope, some new joy. Lord, I pray that every one of us listening today, we make some changes this week in our life, and we put you back at the center of our lives, and it gives us a new pace a pace in which we can discern your good, acceptable, and pleasing will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.